Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's class. All right, if you would have your um, Blood of the Martyrs Chaplet exercise, this um, separate sheet. You got four sheets today. The Blood of the Martyrs Chaplet exercise. Um, I like to memorize scripture straight up, uh, just verbatim. That has always been my style. It's something that I have always liked to do. And um, I, I teach this class um, to a group of college students, and my goal is to practice um, some of the spiritual disciplines in the history of the church that are very unfamiliar to me, uh, because I want that experience so that as I'm teaching them, I can help students process the fact that some things are very, very different than what they have ever experienced. And um, I have um, a real special place in my heart for persecuted Christians, especially with what has been happening in the Middle East. I have kept my eyes on the Coptic Christians. I have kept my eyes on the Christians in Syria that have been displaced And this last fall, I decided that I wanted to add um, some kind of prayer for persecuted Christians every day in my life because I, I don't live with that around me. And so I thought, what is a good way for me to do that? And I'm fairly slow at trying to figure out what do I want to do so that when I start, it, it already has some meaning to me. So several of my colleagues have gotten rosaries who teach this class and they have taken the rosary and while they don't pray the Hail Marys and the Our Fathers through that rosary or practice it the way that Catholics do, they have made rosaries into their own prayer experience. So let me just ask you, has anyone in here had the experience of a rosary or a prayer rope? You come from that background. Will just help me to explain. Okay. Um, I decided that I wanted to look at an artistic prayer rope of some sort. Now, I have this rope that I will pass around to you. This is the Jesus prayer rope. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And this is a 100-knot rope. It costs $15. I found the cheapest place online. This is a Russian Orthodox prayer rope. Comes in a couple of colors. I have one that's black and red. And this one was the one that was on sale, so I bought it. Because uh, I'm cheap and I'm an educator. Now, these knots, I'm going to pass this around. You can't hurt it. These knots are the knots that are um, made by monks. This is actually made in a monastery. Um, this prayer rope is probably from Romania. And um, there is a prayer that is given for this knot. As you look at it, it is a unique knot. It's really pretty. Um, it takes me probably 45 seconds to a minute for each of these knots to actually do because I'm not very good at them. I made my own um, prayer rope. It doesn't look nearly as nice as this. I keep it in my office. Um, But this was my first stab at it, um, at having like a prayer rope. 
just to kind of see and um, touch um, as I was trying to figure out um, what did I want to do. And so this is the prayer rope that I keep by my bed. And sometimes I'll grab it in the morning and I'll just kind of hold on to it. And I might do a few of these because touching them keeps me focused. I don't know about you. Sometimes I like to say a prayer in my mind and then I get really distracted. And so sometimes I'll whisper a prayer and I can get all the way up to a bead. And it just sort of helps focus my mind. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a husband. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a professor. You know, I just will change what that is. And so I will use the publican prayer for mercy as a way for me to begin um, kind of leaning into the fact that I really need the Lord in my life. I have a problem that I am ruggedly independent. I don't know if you have that, but I do. And so I will just get up and I will just go through my day and I will just make my day happen. And I will not invite the Lord into my day until something happens that I get really frustrated with. And I decided I wanted to change that. So um, I've had this prayer rope for three years and the tassels on the bottom are for when you um, pray this a lot. You're supposed to pray it if you're a good um, Orthodox Christian 3,000 times a day. And then after you do that, you pray it 6,000 times and you pray it like 12,000 times. And as you pray it, you're supposed to have an emotional response and you're supposed to cry. And so this just allows for you to wipe your tears away. Since I'm an analytical person, I don't cry when I pray for mercy. Um, I cry rarely and I cry about other things. It's just my personality. But I got this because it reminds me of a connection I'm supposed to have. So this is the tassel that you have that allows for you to focus. Now, the, the beginning of this is to pray without ceasing. That's the idea is use a scripture and just try to stay in contact with the Lord on a regular basis to pray without ceasing. And of course, anything can become an idol. So um, this is this reminds me of the challenge of am I am I constantly trying to be in communication with the Lord, either thanking him or asking for wisdom or sometimes I tell him a joke. I know he's heard it before, but I like it. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to just kind of think outside of what I would call the evangelical Protestant tradition of just um, studying the Bible, having my little prayer time, checking it off and going on my day. Okay, so I'm trying to expand that. That's all I'm trying to do. So I'm going to start this over here. You're welcome to take a look at it. Um, if you're ever interested in that, um, I've got a website that you're welcome to take a look at. Um, because I don't, I, I was not in the habit of praying. I've done much better. I bought a prayer rope, wrist rope. This is the same thing. Um, it's kind of been sweaty, so I won't really pass it around because I need a new one. Um, this is 33 knots on it for the years that Jesus walked the earth with a little cross on it. It's really cheap. It's like $7. Uh, same place that I got that great big one. And um, I don't like jewelry that like puts a spotlight on me and draws a lot of attention to me. And so I work with college students. They wear weird things on their wrists all the time. So um, there's a little cross right here. There are two little beads. Um, the, the beads, the, these come in various colors. You're just stuck with whatever they get. Um, white has to do with holiness. Blue has to do with our baptism. Green has to do with the um, eternal life. 
Um, red has to do with the blood of Christ. And so I actually have worn this more than anything else. And it reminds me to pray. I don't do the Jesus prayer with this. I just look at that and go, did you pray today? Oh, no, I didn't. And so I use this as a prayer reminder. Um, and I fit in with my culture doing that. And so there's this little teeny one. They also have little prayer rings. If you want to do that too. the Eastern Orthodox are very serious about helping you learn how to pray. So got that. In fact, done a little bit of anecdotal research for people that grow up in the evangelical tradition. They're more drawn to the Eastern Orthodox than they are to anything else because of the rich history of some of these things. Because sometimes, like if you look at our churches, they don't have a lot of artwork. There's not a lot of crosses. There's not a lot of depth in history because we didn't want to just add a bunch of icons and we didn't want to have a lot of that tradition. So if people get interested in that, um, they often don't go to the Catholic tradition. They'll go to the Eastern Orthodox, which is just really kind of interesting. I don't really know about that. So let me bring you up to speed now to the chaplet. Um, since I had that, I thought, well, I'm going to get online and I'm going to look for a rosary. Um, I grew up in the non-instrumental Church of Christ. And if you have any um, interactions with them, you know that they are like absolutely anti anything that I'm talking to you about today. I mean, I'm, I'm a total heretic and a heathen. I am worse than a non-believer um, because these are all aids and elements that you don't need. I, I get that. And so I decided that I needed to challenge myself to say, all right, if Christians have found a value in this in the past, then what is the value? Because I'm, I'm by nature a scientist. I want to know what is the value. I'm not asking you to do any of these things. I just want to kind of explain a little bit of my journey. So I got online and I started looking for things and I found these absolutely gorgeous and beautiful um, artistic kinds of um, rosaries. And then I found these chaplets. These chaplets are um, just 10 of the rosary beads. There's 50 rosary beads. And this one has 10. And this is called the blood of the martyrs. These beads are from Germany. From the 1920s and the 1930s. Does that resonate with anybody? World War II. The beads are from World War II. And I looked at that and I thought, the blood of the martyrs, that's what I'm looking for. Um, there is a crucifix. There's, there's a teeny tiny medallion on here that has microscopic, I can't even see it unless I have like a, a magnifying glass. I think there might be a Mary on here somewhere, but I tried to find a non-Mary thing just because I, I understand you know, the value of Mary, but I'm like, I don't want anything that would remind me of that. I want to really focus on my appreciation for the cross of Christ and to pray for the martyrs. And so I went ahead and I bought this. Um, and it is just a little uh, bead thing that I just will some, I, I haven't, I have the blood of the martyrs now memorized. I don't, I don't always use this, but I used to sit down and I would look at this. And as I would look at this crucifix, I would, I would pray or I would recite, have this same attitude in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself, taking the form of a bondservant, being made in the appearance of, of a man, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Remember what my problem is. 
I am ruggedly independent. And that means that I will do my own thing on accident. (laughs) And so I picked this because that's what I wanted. And I found that verse. And every time that I'd work back to this, that's what I would pray. And I I would pray around that. Or I I would just recite that in my mind. And then I would kind of work around some of these. So when you look at the um, chaplet, this is all scripture. Um, and there is, on the third time around, my prayer for the persecuted church, my prayer for you um, in the church, my prayer for my family, although I pray for my family all the time. Um, there is a place for that um, on there. And then there's just kind of my own free for all sort of praying. And here's what, here is what I have learned for myself. My scripture memory can just end up being a rote memory. I've reached that point because I know my chaplet experience. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. And so I remember I was going through this one time and I just went on autopilot. And I just started listing them off in my own mind because I have them memorized. I've worked months to get this all memorized. And what I found was I was really frustrated that... I knew it so well that it was just running in my mind or coming off my lips and I was disconnected to it. And so I stopped and I grabbed one of those beads because I I had that in front. I just will sometimes like put it in front of me. And I just said, I just need to pray for the martyrs. And what I found was that when I would start to pray, that would reconnect me. So sometimes when I do those breath prayers, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come, that actually, I'm disconnected from that now. You know, or the Jesus prayer. And so I have to actually stop and I have to say, all right, you need to um, use this as a vehicle to interact with Christ and not just do it and check it off your list. So what I do now is the blood of the chaplet is the reminder of who I am. These are right now the most important scriptures to me. And I just give them to you um, as an example of putting scripture together so that if you have some scriptures that you would like to put in order that remind you of who you are, what is important to you, what resonates in your soul, you might be able to do that. I've left off some very, very important ones because I want to do a second chaplet about healing and a second chaplet that might include some of the Psalms. Like Psalm 23, Psalm 103. Um, and so these don't have any of that. And so this is just something for you to take a look at by way of illustration. If you like to do scripture memory or you're interested in doing something like that, um, I always have to find a way to redeem something that I struggle with in the history of the church. And so this is my way to try to redeem a practice to its original intention of being connected to the Lord. And sometimes having that tangible item is really, really good for me. What I notice is if I have my little chaplet or I have my prayer, um, my prayer rope, I actually get all the way through without being distracted because I'll say it, I'll mutter it. That's what memorization is, is muttering. I'll just, I'll just say it quietly unless I'm in the house by myself. But when I do it while I'm driving or I'll do it in my morning routine, I get about halfway through and then I lose it because I'm not really focusing. And so those ropes just help me to stay in the moment because I'm looking at them and I'm working my way around and I'm reminding myself visually about what's going on. So I have a picture of Jesus in my office 
as a teacher, which is important to me because I'm a professor. And sometimes I'll look at that and I will pray about my teaching and who I am. And when I take my eyes off of it, I lose it. I don't know if you're like that. But I mean, I'm just looking for different ways that these things might be helpful. So anyway, that's that's what this is. And I just give it to you. You can do with it what you want to do. I don't expect you to do it. But if I love memorizing and I have known a lot of things that I've memorized and then I've lost it. And so what I'm trying to do is really get a sense about all of that. So these are just some memory aids um, that I would give to you that have been corrupted in the, in the history of some people in the church trying to figure out ways that they could be helpful for me. So um, you're welcome to take a look at that. Um, let me talk to you a little bit about where we have been uh, because I would like for you to begin putting some of these things together in your own mind to have what's called a life plan um, where you're thinking through what do I want to do in this stage of my life so that I can have a meaningful connection with the Lord. That's really what I'm looking for for you. And if you leave this class with something that really helps you to stay focused, that's going to be really, really, really good. So and you don't I don't expect us to be at the same spots. So this is the um, handout that has the. Um, huh. Yeah, there it is. Um, These are the PowerPoint slides. So we talked about the transformational process. And here's here's what I want for you to see. The ultimate goal of everything that you want to do is, are you going to be more like Jesus? So I'm looking at that for myself. Am I emotionally connected to Christ? Now, I'm an ENTJ. My mind already has accepted the facts of of the gospel. Um, I don't have any trouble with that. You and I can talk about interpretations and all of that, and we will agree that the Word of God is inspired. I have no trouble with that. But what happens is I can get emotionally disconnected from God, and it just is kind of like motions. And I know that somehow I'm somewhat disconnected. So for me, in my point right now, part of my Christ-likeness is feeling gratitude and learning what adoration is. Those are two elements on my spiritual growth that I want to have happen, that I want to sense that, connect that way emotionally. Now, if you're already an emotionally connected person and you struggle with other things, then I would have you highlight that, to be like Jesus. But that's, that's my struggle. Notice that in, in 1 Corinthians 4, the power of God will be seen in your life. And that's what I'm going for when I pray. Lord, just help me, show me. Um, direct me, give me wisdom, change my heart, let me be connected to you. Romans chapter 12 is I'm going to start with the renewal of my mind. And for me, it's a decision to be emotional, to let myself be emotional, to not not shove it off on a side or think that it's unimportant, but to actually evaluate it. Um, am, am I able to emotionally connect? Right now, I'm in a two-week period that it's hard for me to emotionally connect. I don't know why. I go through these periods. And so I actually connect more through my tablet than I do through music when this happens. So I can show up at church. I can sing songs. I'll actually stop singing and I'll just listen because I'm having no connection whatsoever. And I, I go through these periods where that happens to me. I'm not sure what that is. But I've been through it so many times that now I'm looking at that like I need another emotional avenue because it's not the music's fault. It's not the church's fault. 
It's not anybody's fault. I don't know why that happens. Sometimes if you have the opposite, sometimes those of you that are more emotional, you're way more emotional than what you would like to be. And you can't explain it either. I mean, I don't know what's going on. So I look at this and I go, okay, I'm going to make that decision. And Lord, I need you to make the connections so that I will let myself be connected to you. And then this is the duet with the Holy Spirit. Lord, change me. Just, just change me. Help me to be more integrated. Help me to be more the man that I need to be to be mature. I'm going to set my mind on it. Thus, you see my chaplets. My chaplets are setting my mind. What, how do I want to connect? What's meaningful to me? I have always had Bible study be the single most meaningful connection for me out of everything. And so that's why I've gone to the chaplet, because it works for me. And then I'm going to stop and start things. I need to stop my distractions and I need to start my attraction to God in a certain way. And so I'm just going to look at you and say, what are you doing that's helping in this transformation process for yourself? Well, we've talked about these four different areas. And again, I just want you to look on this as your starting point so that you look at the strengths and the challenges of this particular area. So remember, if you're an SJ, you like order, you like structure, you like routine, you can end up being bored, um, you don't like change, um, you can be really judgmental, it's hard to be um, graceful for yourself and others because you have a really great high standard, you're the backbone of society, you'll show up, you're very, very, very dependable, you're extremely loyal, all those kinds of things. So you want to look at that and say, based on that temperament, what are ways that I want to connect with God with where I am right now? Same thing would be true with all of these other temperaments that we've talked about. Here is just a reminder of um, the way that these temperamental traits exist on a continuum. Um, so we've, we've kind of gone over that. And then you have your shadow traits. And these shadow traits are the opposite one. So I'm talking about my emotions a lot because I'm ruggedly independent and I'm analytical and my emotions are my shadow trait. They're the ones that I could ignore and then they'll pop up and I'll be really mad and Vanna will wonder, why are you so mad? And I'm like, well, because if you wouldn't act that way and then I get to be all blamey, you know, like Adam and Eve. Um, and, you know, it's it just I just fall apart. I don't think I'm falling apart, but I'm falling apart from from that experience. OK, so that that's what happens to me on the shadow traits. Uh, we talked about the Lectio Divina, which is that reading. The Lectio brings all the four personalities together. So if you do the Lectio, which sometimes I will do, I like my memory work more than I like the Lectio, to be honest with you, because I really begin to meditate on what those words mean. And so I'll pick things and I'll kind of Lectio it, you know, because Lectio picks a word or a phrase and you focus on that and you think about it. Um, and so I, uh, the Lectio is something you can do. Here's the, um, the Orthodox prayer. That goes along with the prayer rope. Um, this is the one that I gave to you before, the Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who wasn't is to come to focus and center on. And my chaplet really centers around that. And I actually try to imagine the throne room when I do that repetitively. Sometimes it doesn't work for me, so I just move on. But again, that's a prayer style. Put yourself in the, the scripture and try to be in the scripture, be in the moment, kind of stand there in your own spiritual mind's eye and honor the Lord in the same way. And if I can do that, I'll stay there and I'll do that for a while and then I'll quit and I'll move on with my chaplain. That's, the, that's what I'm trying to get done with the holy, holy, holy. And sometimes if I can't do it, then I'll just move on um, and, and try to grow through that. Uh, there's the Ignatian Awareness Examine, which um, I had handed out to you earlier, which takes a little bit more time to go through. Uh, we talked about Romans chapter 5, about uh, the value of suffering last time. 
and how suffering produces uh, perseverance and perseverance produces the character. The character produces hope. And um, there is this quality in that experience that um, is joined in with your character. And that's molybdenum that we had talked about last time that sort of melts in very, very high temperatures is added to steel to make a skyscraper. So you cannot become spiritually mature without that process. What I'm trying to do is aid in the melting of the molybdenum through my chaplets, through the Lectio Divina, by saying, Lord, I'm willing. Make, make me soft like copper. Don't make me hard like molybdenum. Don't, don't make my, help my heart be soft. Help me to respond to you, to be led into transformation, not to be dragged into transformation, if that makes sense to you. And so a lot of these different um, disciplines are really about willingness. Lord, just move in me. And what I have noticed is that God will move and then he'll be quiet again. And I'll make some progress and then I'll stay at that level for a while. I'll get some insight or I'll get get some understanding, or I'll notice that I'm actually doing better in a certain area, and then I sort of stop growing for a while, and then I'll grow again. Um, and that's this idea of smelting and adding to my character. So um, what I'd like to do is introduce you now to your brain for transformation. There's some very cool things that I want to just kind of hand off to you for you to begin thinking about in your design. Um, you have three brains um, that researchers have identified these three aspects of your actual anatomy, many theologians say mirrors the Trinity. So you have in your brain three distinctive areas. You have the brain stem, you have the emotional area, and you have the rational area. And so the hind brain is your brain stem, your midbrain is your emotional area, and your forebrain that's up there is your rational area. And you can see that um, your hindbrain down here handles all of your unconscious processes. Your midbrain is your emotional center. We're calling that the 911 emergency response center, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then your forebrain is your rational center. Most of the time, we don't do an awful lot with our um, brain stem because it just operates for us. And when it has trouble, we're in big, big trouble because we have ir- irregular heartbeat or you know, our breathing might stop or something like that. But for spiritual transformation, those other two areas will become really, really important. So here's what I want for you to know about your emotional center, uh, which the next slide will give you more information on. Um, The emotional center will respond in less than one second. In less than one second. It is designed to keep you out of trouble. So if you perceive that there is a threat either real or imagined, your emotional center will kick in immediately. So if somebody approaches you and that person approaches you in a way that you perceive is a threat, your emotional center will take over. If you're outside and it's really dark and you hear a sound that you interpret immediately as a threat, your emotional center will take over. Um, This is designed to keep you alive. The problem is it accidentally goes off when it shouldn't because we live in a fallen world and it's broken. And if you're like me, you have wounds in your life and those wounds will actually kick it off. You'll have wounds from the church. 
You'll have wounds from expectations that you expected God to do something or believed that he would, but it seemed like he didn't. And so now you have pain. You could walk into a church and you could find yourself really angry in some way. There, there are songs that can reduce you to tears. When Austin was really, really sick um, and we would sing the he gives and takes away, he gives and takes away. I couldn't sing that song for about five years because I was always reminded of the prayer that I gave of Lord, if you take him. I know our lives will be okay, but I want him to be alive. He gives and takes away. That's so easy to sing when you have no suffering. But when you have suffering, it's hard. And so I would just stop and I would just start crying. You know, just I had no control over it whatsoever because that emotional center just takes over and it adds color and it adds shape and it adds um, experiences to you. Now, what's, what's really interesting about this is this hippocampus right here, this long area, is like a great big file system. So let me explain that to you. You have two memory systems um, in your brain. This memory system does not need to be logical. It just needs a response. This is what's really important in transformation. So I grew up in an angry family. So if my dad perceived that my mom was doing something that he did not like, his first response was some kind of derision or antagonism or sarcasm or meanness or um, some kind of put down that he would give to my mom. Now, I didn't realize this, but he was training me to have those responses in my emotional system so that whenever anybody would respond in such a way that I felt like I was unhappy with that, um, and I had an emotional response to it, that was the pattern that I had learned. And so because I already am an analytical and because I already am somewhat emotionally distant, it was really easy for me to do sarcasm, roll my eyes, go <sighs> make fun of somebody, do something like that. That all was, was not, not only trained, but I was susceptible to it. And my dad just did it for years and I didn't even know it was wrong. My mom really hardly said anything at all. So for 18 years, that's what I grew up with. And in 18 years, I never heard my parents say, I love you. Not one time. Nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, just to express any kind of emotional affection was a sign of weakness. Mocking? Yeah, we can do that. Sarcasm? Absolutely. Disdain? You bet. Nice? No. Not at all. Okay, so that all goes into that emotional area. So I get married. <laughs> oh my goodness. My wife does something that I just don't particularly care for. My brain immediately, I love my wife. I care about my wife. But in an emotional moment, my brain goes right here. And if I don't know what's going on, I don't have control over this, or I don't have any other options, guess what it pulls out? The same stuff that I'm used to. Eye rolls, sighing. It took me about 18 and a half years to stop sighing. She'd do something, I go, she go, you sighed. Yes, you deserved it. Whap. You know, it's like, oh, off to the fights. You know, you wake up in the morning, you don't have any intention of fighting. Somebody does something, you just all of a sudden find yourself doing something like that. That's where that comes from. That's where it comes from, right there. The only way. Well, actually, the best way, I would say this, the best way to change this is mental rehearsal through meditation. By meditation, I mean doing the same thing over and over again. 
memorize the Word of God, meditate on the Word of God. And what we have found in research is that the Word of God sort of starts way out here somewhere in your cognitive mind. This is your rational mind. This is, yes, I believe that God is God, and I believe that He is a God of love, and yes, I love my wife, and on really good days, I can love her. But when she gets to be ridiculous, I'm going to be indifferent. You know, that's so what, and, and as I memorize it, this is part of my chaplet experience with my background. As I memorize those scriptures, the truth somehow, we don't know how, works its way down and becomes accessible in my emotional moment. Isn't that fascinating? This is why a person who is um, a competent athlete, pick any sport, can handle the pressure of the court or the playing field without losing his or her temper when athletes who are just starting will stomp and snort and quit. Because something has moved through and has landed in here so that when you have an emotional response, you're able to pick something better that has been placed in there. This is maturity. This is how we parented our kids. Yes, you can be mad, but don't stay there. Yes, you might have a word that comes out, but let's talk about changing that. Let's work on a different response, a way to catch that, a way to stop that, a way to move forward in some way. Now, all of those really negative Buckland family experiences still live in me. And I pray, Lord, please let me have my brain when I get older, because, you know, you revert back. And if I start losing some of that, I'm sure that I will go back to some of those you got to be kidding, and grumpiness. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, please don't. Just let me, let me have this kind of more maturity and just let me be quiet. Let me, let me just be quiet. And so my first step in here is keep your mouth shut. That's how I started. Don't say anything. And it was harder to keep my eyes from rolling and keep from sighing because those were such unconscious. I didn't realize how unconscious those processes were. But if you and I were talking and, and you would say something, I'd go, oh. I would say it and I'd go, oh, I just did that. And you'd go, why did you do that to me? Because you're being ridiculous. I don't know. And you wouldn't like that either. And so what you have to do is retrain. Transformation, just so you know, transformation occurs here for us as well, which is really cool. So if you're out of control in some area with a response that you don't like, the best way is by mental rehearsal with the word of God. To change it over and over and over and over and over and over. So let me just make a statement that I can because I'm 57. And I don't mean this to be as mean as it's going to sound. So I'm going to apologize right now. I wonder why people can come to church for 40 years and be the grumpiest people around. Seriously, you going there with me? Here's what I think happened to them, because I don't want to be that person. I'm in danger of being that person, because familiarity breeds contempt, right? You get used to stuff, somebody changes it, you don't like it, you shoot off your mouth, you think that you're right, you have to defend yourself. I think that what happens is, is that when people are growing, they are going through this process and something stops it. They either have arrived, or they think they don't need it anymore, or they stop reading their Bible, or they stop really trying to apply what they're learning, or they stop growing and pushing the boundaries of what's familiar to them. And as a result, they go on autopilot, and autopilot is always self-centered, always. 
And that is one of the guards that I want to make sure that I don't have. So I have people in my life that if I start to operate this way, they are to let me know. Now, when my wife lets me know, I don't like that so well. Because, you know, we have a different relationship. But when my friend Scott Boudreau does it, I can manage that better. Or somebody else. You know, you seem really grumpy. You seem really critical. You seem really irritable. I won't even know that I'm that way. Because that's normal for me on a bad day. If, if you're tracking with me. I don't even notice what that sounds like. And somebody's like, well, you really seem to be out of sorts. I'm not out of sorts. The world is out of sorts. If the world would just do what I would want it to do, then everything would be really better. Now, I'm, I've lost it. I've, I'm, I'm operating out of this. Not out of wisdom, not out of the grace of the Lord, not out of the sacrifice of emptying myself, becoming a bondservant and dying. Thus, I keep going back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. That is the core of my chaplet. Die to yourself, empty yourself, be refashioned into this better person. And so this part right here is what has to be changed. You will know what to do out here before you can emotionally do it. This is what's going on because this is more of an unconscious process. So um, what I would say to you is that all of this is designed for you to be righteous, but it's been hijacked for sin. It's designed so you don't have to think about stuff that you'd just be drawn to the Lord, but it's been hijacked for sin. So if you don't like something, then all of a sudden it's about you and what you want. And if you get your feelings hurt, if I could just say that now, and I just want to say this to you as an analytical, and we can certainly talk about this. Maybe you want it at your tables. I think when somebody says, you hurt my feelings, it means one of two things. I've really struggled with this because I think I have one half of one third of one fourth of a feeling. And that's always anger. I don't have hurt feelings. I have mad. So, you know, I'm, I'm emotionally compromised because I'm such a high analytical. And I've studied this and I counsel people. And here's what I've heard is, on one sense, if you say, Peter, you hurt my feelings, there, there's one of two things that I automatically go for. The first is you've said something that I personally don't like and I'm angry. And that's more manipulative to me. And I've been in that situation where we're, we're just disagreeing and you're playing the you hurt my feelings card. Okay, and that, that, that bugs me. I mean, I get that. The other one, though, is that I have done something and it has wounded your spirit. It has deeply wounded you. I mean, I may have discounted you. I may have um, kind of given you like a, 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 a gut punch emotionally. I may have betrayed your confidence. And as a result, there is something that wilts inside of you. I'm really concerned about that. I get that. Because I deal with it all the time in people that have been abused. There's something that happens to them that wounds them deeply. And it comes out the very same way. I mean, the same language. Well, that hurts my feelings. So I've had to really work hard at really asking myself if I could use this. When somebody says, you hurt my feelings. Remember, remember the family I grew up in? It's like, well, yeah, you probably deserve to have your feelings hurt. You know, how dare you play that feeling card on me? What I had to do was relearn an entirely different emotional way of dealing with things. And it has to be done through prayer. It has to be done by the power of the word. It has to be done with training. It has to be done with support in order for us to really grow. And on a bad day, you may revert back to something that is familiar to you. And then you have to be big enough to apologize. You just have to. Because that's what the Lord would want, is that reconciliation. So um, what we have here is this amazing um, little thing here. So I put the rattlesnake here. Is the limbic system. 
So this is a way that you feel like if there's a little rattlesnake right there, you're going to have a big reaction to that so that you don't get bit. That's what your emotional center is like for you. It's your 911. So the fight, flight, freeze and submit has been added as a result of um, human sex trafficking. Um, as I've gone to different conferences, different um, therapists have noted that this, this is studies done by women right now, that women will just comply just to not be beat up anymore. They're just going to submit and do what needs to be done. Um, so that fight, flight, freeze, or submit is the limbic system and reacts in one sixteenth of a second. Um, so as you're really trying to think about this, here's my challenge question for you. What do you do? How do you react in a way that you're not pleased with, that you would really like to see grow? That's really what this is about, is we all have that. And I don't mind talking about me because I'm pretty comfortable with my fallacies. I don't want to have excuses for them, but I'm comfortable telling you a little bit about my experience because I'm in the middle of this transformation process and I'm trying to do a much better job so that I can be really helpful with people. So it will go off even when there's not a danger. Now, this is really cool. Here is the best way that I have ever found to um, work in this area. So you have this on a slide. Um, so you practice a new behavior when your amygdala, when your um, 911 emergency system is not going off. So you're thinking about it. You're praying about it. You're actually acting in a certain way. So I actually started serving my wife more when she didn't ask me. That was my goal. Because whenever my wife would ask me to do something, I would get mad. And that's just inbred inside of me. And I'm like, I want to beat her to the punch. So I'll just get up and I'll start doing the dishes. If she says, honey, will you do the dishes? I'm like, no, I don't want to do the dishes. Why? Because you asked me. That's why. Now, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from 1469 Woodward Avenue, Lakewood, Ohio, from Phil and Elaine Buckland. When my dad would go, absolutely not. That's where it came from. I, it's, it, is, it is inside of me and it annoys me. If Anna calls my name from, the other, from another room and she wants me to do something, I can have, an, I call it an amygdala spike. And my, my tone can sound impatient. Because I'm like, really? Really, you're not even going to get out of bed and come and talk to me? You're just going to call me in there like some little servant and I'm just supposed to come and see what you're supposed to do? I mean, can you hear the contempt dripping from my voice? Where did I learn that? 1469 Woodward Avenue, Lakewood, Ohio, 1960s, Phil and Elaine Buckland. Always had it. Always. It still lives in me. Am I proud of it? No, but I have to be honest. Okay, so you have that. So I want the new behavior so that I can overpower it. This is that Colossians 3. Set your mind on the new behavior. Get up and get going so you have the right spirit so you don't get frustrated with doing that. So I just decided I was going to start doing things that I should be doing without being asked because that really helps me. Now, please don't tell. I don't. My wife doesn't know this about me, so don't tell her. She doesn't know that we're recording things. She's not here. So I mean, I'm, giving you, I'm giving you Peter Buckland's secrets. So she's like, oh, that explains a lot. So um, notice this. To change the blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, to select a more thoughtful response takes 20 seconds. Here's what's really fascinating. If Van asks me to do something and I have a bad response to it, my blood flow, if you were to watch my brain, my blood flow would go to the center of my brain because my amygdala, fight, flight, freeze, or submit, is now at high gear. It just goes there. And sometimes you can feel that there's this clunk in your stomach or you all of a sudden, you know, if you get scared, all of a sudden you notice that you can hear like your ears get really big 
And you can kind of hear things like, I'm going to strain. Or you can just like see in the darkness. Well, that's that. You just have this automatic biochemical response. So that just happens to you. And it takes 20 seconds to change it. 20 seconds. Or it will settle in. And it will stay there. So this one researcher um, who works with violent criminal offenders in a diversionary program came up with this. He's a Christian neuropsychologist, which is a fancy name for a brain researcher who works with um, people to keep them out of jail and stop hurting each other. Um, And so he devised this system based on brain science, and I use it all the time, and I teach it to people, and it's very, very helpful. You feel that, and you have 20 seconds. So the first thing you do is count to 10. Um, My grandmother used to say, Peter, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I'm like, but Grandma, I have a lot that I should say, and I think it's perfectly fine. Don't say that. So count to 10. She should have said count to 20. Because it actually takes 20 seconds to make this change. So 10 seconds buys you half the amount of time. And it keeps you out of trouble. Keep your mouth quiet. Don't act. Recognize what's going on. You're having an amygdala spike. It is a natural spike. We are in a fallen world. We don't know why this happens to us. It may just be that we, we have these responses that we don't really control anymore. 10 seconds. And then you start talking to yourself. So here are some of the things that you say. I am not responsible for this situation. So if something happens to you and you get really angry, you didn't ask somebody to do this. So I'm like, I didn't really ask for Vanna to call me from the other room. I I don't really like this, but it's okay. I'm going to be okay with that. Um, If I've done something to cause a situation, I need to move for a reason response to apologize. But, you know, just in the, what you and I fight over probably is really not very much at all, but it really grows into something big. Um, say, I'm not responsible for the behavior of the other person. I did not ask for this to happen. Ask yourself, what are my choices? This last question, what should I do? What are my choices? Shifts your blood flow into your, to your rational mind. So Lord, what should I do? So I'm like, okay, I have this amygdala spike. I'm like trying to work things out. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're just, uh, Peter, you're just in a really bad mood. Your wife doesn't really mean anything about this. You just need to be really quiet. You just need to kind of help out. Just make it through these next 10 seconds and everything will be really fine. What is it that you should be doing instead? And I'm in much better shape because I just stand there and nod. Now, gentlemen, when you nod your head like this to a lady, it means that you're in the moment with her. It doesn't mean you're agreeing with her. Okay, I'm just giving away lady secrets. So when your wife talks to you or a lady talks to you and she's nodding, she's not agreeing with you. She's in the conversation with you. So if Vanna's talking to me, um, sometimes I'll just find myself nodding. I'm trying to learn this little secret of nodding because I'm like in I, it, it really is this. I want to be in this relationship with you. And it's it's a response that I can actually do. Sometimes I just go like this. <sighs> That's not good. You know, don't sigh and go like this because she'll hear you all the way across the house. I don't know what it is about women's ears, but they hear everything. So um, I'm trying to have a better response. Here's the really cool thing. This actually works because after that 20 seconds, you know what you should do. You know what you should do. And you kept the bad stuff from happening. Let me give you this um, story and then I'm going to let you guys talk about this for the last little bit of what what do you want to take from today? Um, this researcher was t- telling us about a real case that he had. And he had worked with a drug dealer who was in a diversionary program. And he's the kind of a guy that would do you bodily harm or kill you before he would really talk to you. 
uh, one of those scary kind of guys. And he had been going through this program. He had been on house arrest. He wore the, the little bar, so they always knew where he was. And um, the, he had really connected with this guy. And they were, they were practicing these different skills about what to do when you feel that rush. And he had left for work one day um, and had to come back unexpectedly about an hour and a half or so later. And when he walked into his apartment, he found his girlfriend who he was living with in bed with his best friend, actually in the act of sex. And when he opened the door, they saw him. They froze. I mean, absolutely paralyzed in fear. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but they locked the fight, flight or freeze, froze them because they knew they were dead. I mean, they, they both believe, they talked about it later, they both believed that he was going to kill them. That's this guy. And he stopped and he looked at them. That's not a good sign. And he didn't say anything at all. And then he quietly, without saying anything else, went to the closet. And he started rummaging through the closet. And he got a bag and he started stuffing things in the bag. And they were sure that he was going to get a baseball bat or he was going to get something in that closet and turn around and let them have it. And he, he stuffed some stuff into a bag, zipped up the bag, walked over very close to the bed and looked at them. And he said this, this isn't what I wanted. I am not responsible for this. I hope that you are happy with each other because I'm done with the both of you and turned around and walked out the door. Sometimes the only thing that gets us through is mental rehearsal, reciting, planning, knowing what to do with those strong emotions. He couldn't counsel them. He couldn't ask them why. All he could do was get out of there without killing them. That was a home run. That was actually a home run. So imagine what it would be like for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of that process. If you yell at your kids... Imagine what it's like to not yell at your kids anymore. I had to learn how to do that. If it's like me and you have disdain, imagine relating to people without disdain. That's really pretty cool. Uh, What about being patient with people? You know, sometimes I'll just stand there and I'll talk to myself. I told you about that in the Walmart aisle. I use this when I'm out. I mean, I'll be driving and I noticed I was driving on range line, which is always a mistake for me. And I'm like, okay, Peter, slow down, calm down. Use this as your prayer time. Grab a hold of that. I'm on range line and I can't stand it. And actually sit back in the chair and use that as your focus time to remember who you are and ask for the Lord to work in your life. This really works. Notice it is linked to the transformation of the mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what this is talking about. Know how your mind works. Know what you want to do. Know the power of Scripture. Catch yourself. Catch yourself in the spike. And in that moment, turn it over to the Lord. And He will direct you through those emotions to a better place. Which is really, really cool. Two of my brothers have abused their wives. My father never hit my wife, my, my, sorry, my, my mom. But I know that that anger lived inside of us. And it was always my goal to not ever do anything that would make my wife feel threatened. But the anger spikes that would happen to me were troubling to me and troubling to her. But I learned that there are certain things that you want to put in place 
that you will not go over no matter what. And then learn how to move from there. So is there something in your life that you're stepping over that you're like, I need to not step over that anymore. And I need to catch that and let the Lord lead me into a better place. Because that is the story of redemption right there. Catch it. Stop it. Ask for the Lord to move. Practice it in your mind. Soak your mind with the scripture. Allow for you to pray without ceasing. If you pray without ceasing, you're going to be much more holy and much more righteous. It's really amazing how all of this stuff works together. So what I want to do is give you the last 10 minutes or so to talk about tonight. What I um, am encouraging you to do is um, do some homework. So you have a sheet here um, experiencing healing on your spiritual path. This little sideways deal has um, one of the charts on it. And then underneath um, your information, um, underneath that, you have um, scads of resources. Lots and lots of things that you can do um, if you're interested to grow in certain areas. And so I'm going to just give that to you to look at because next week I want to spend some time with you processing, saying, here's what I want to do. Here are some of the resources that I would like over the next few months to maybe explore. I want you to start making some decisions and not be so busy or so distracted that you don't do anything at all. I want you to do something. Grow in some way. And so you have that sheet that you can take back and you can look at it. And what you'll notice is that as I went through the different temperamental traits, when I got to the J and the P, um, I would just be repeating myself. So I just didn't I didn't put a whole bunch of stuff on. So there's a lot for I, a lot for E, a lot for N, a lot for S, a lot for F, a lot for T, and not a lot for J and P because those things are going to be repeating themselves. So I just would have you look at that. Um, And then what I would like for you to do also is to begin um, asking yourself the bottom three questions on this sheet sometime this week. Um, And they say, um, list ways in which you feel that you can connect to God. List what you are learning about your strengths and challenges and identify some habits you intend to keep and some new habits you intend to develop. What do you want to keep and what do you want to change? And I want you to begin thinking about that because next week we're going to talk about silence and solitude. And then I want to see if you will commit yourself in the next few weeks to have a four hour period of silence and solitude. I know I'm asking for a lot. A four hour period for you to work with the Lord directly and personally that you might actually begin to make some sense out of these plans. So I know that's going to be a challenge for some of you to do because, you know, you've got a really busy life coming up and I understand that. Um, So you might have to get some smaller moments along the way. But silence and solitude is the time that the Lord refines us the most. Because we are truly interacting with him and not anything else. So uh, we'll talk about that and lots of activities you can do. When you think of silence and solitude, I don't want you to think of a cell and totally bored. I want you to think of activities where just you and the Lord are doing those things. And I want to explain some of that to you. Silence and solitude is the furnace that allows for our character to be refined the most. And Americans hate silence. And we don't have a lot of solitude because we're super busy. 
So we're handicapped. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. So what I'd like to do is give you the last 10 minutes or so and talk a little bit about tonight. What are you hearing? What do you like? What are you interested in? Um, What do you want to take from tonight? And um, then we'll close with a word of prayer uh, somewhere around 8 o'clock. Okay, it is time to close. So let's close with a word of prayer. Um, And just have you keep growing and learning this week. So uh, pray with me, if you would. Lord, thank you so much that as your children, we can uh, get together and talk and learn and explore and see different ways that we can um, really interact with you. Keep teaching us and drawing us to you through our friendships with each other and the experiences that are laid out for us to try. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to a Wednesday night class from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these classes or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.